hey, hey. Welcome to the Friday Vibe of the Vibe with Vic podcast. I'm your host, Vic, and welcome to the Vibe. I think this is going to be a long episode. I know it's going to be a long episode because lots has happened, and I have opinions and thoughts, <sighs> minimal prayers, okay? Some laughs, or maybe it's going to be me laughing at myself because you know I do that well. I do. Here in the MN, it was 100 degrees, and now the humidity broke, and we have broken out the fall clothes, colors, and behaviors. Football has started. Soup season has started, and we don't fuck around with those two things here in Minnesota or the Midwest. (laughs) Okay, so we're happy for the fall to mosey in. We ate, we laughed, we sweated at the Minnesota State Fair, and now the kids are back in school, and schedules and routines are back in play. So here we are. Welcome to fall, even though it's not officially fall, right? All right, today's episode, I have rants, pop vibes, show updates with recaps, and then I'll be discussing Real Housewives of New York and Salt Lake City. I can honestly tell you, I am so glad that I didn't release an episode earlier this week. I thought about it. I was like, I've been confused all week. I have been confused. I thought Tuesday was Monday. I thought Wednesday was Tuesday, so on and so forth. So I was like ready to pop an episode out on Wednesday for a Thursday release. And I'm so glad I did it because the block is so fucking hot with pop vibes. You guys don't even understand. The shit just keeps on coming out. It's like seeping through your pores. It's amazing. With that being said, buckle up, Vibe Tribe, because I'm about to take you on a ride. (laughs) Cue the song. Come on along, let's take a ride. Don't say shit, just get inside. It's time to take your ass on another kind of trip, because you can't have the hop if you don't have the hip. Hey! (laughs) Now that I have you amped, let's move on. Let's talk about this rant, okay? Listen, I want to tap in and say, and honestly, this is nothing towards the skinny girlies out here, but when you're trying to sell me a bodysuit with the saying, this snatches your waist, I have to look at you sideways and say, you don't know if you're snatching your waist until you have something to snatch. I need thick girlies to sell me something because I'm thick. You know, it makes a difference when I wear a bodysuit compared to a skinny person wearing one. I'm choosing not to breathe that night all in the name of my outfit. I'm choosing to look over eating the way I normally eat. See, this is why Snatch was presented in the first place. To give all the thick girlies a chance to show the waist they once had for one night or many, depending on where you're located at the time and whether or not you're on a trip. No disrespect. Not at all. But I'm not buying a bodysuit from a skinny mini influencer. It's just not happening. And if you are a skinny mini influencer and you're trying to sell me it and I'm like, you're piquing my interest, then I need to scour the reviews for somebody who is my body type to see whether or not it is worth it. Do I need to increase the size? Is this even going to work? So on and so forth. You guys already understand. So that's my cute little rant. Now I'm going to move forward. Let's talk about the news vibe. I know, you guys, it's about to be political dripping everywhere. But you can't talk about politics without literally talking about how Mitch McConnell has had 
many strokes over the past month and he has had another one in front of the nation and listen that old ass fool can drop dead anytime I don't have a problem saying it natural selection is working slow but it's doing its thing and I'm not mad about it I saw a TikTok a couple of nights ago that literally explained to me how many people are in Congress that are like 70 plus years old, like 75 plus years old. Like, I didn't know that. Somebody did the homework and they presented it and it came on my For You page. And I was astounded that these people who are like 75 plus are dictating our country. I can't fucking deal with it. (laughs) I can't. I don't even want to mention who I'm thinking about, but somebody looks like they are dr- they are right at death's doorstep, and it's just not. It's just, it's fucking wild. Okay, that was news vibe. Let's. Oh, I'm so excited, you guys. It's it's just so much. It's so much that I just want to get to you. I'm so hyper. Can't stand it. So let's just talk about what everybody's been kind of talking about or thinking about this week. Maybe you haven't. Maybe this is news to you. I don't know. Joe Jonas of the Jonas Brothers and Sophie Turner are getting a divorce. It is fucking official. I heard something about a ring camera that broke Joe's back and why he filed. But let's talk about all the rumors that are swarming. But first, Joe and Sophie have been the white J and Bay couple any publicity they've received has been about their relationship but we've never seen a photo of their kids not one we don't know what they look like now in the last couple of days amongst the ring camera situation I heard there was a blind item released within the last two years that Joe slapped Sophie in front of their friends that it's a possibility that Joe and Sophie and Sophie's GOT co-star got down in a threesome and Joe wanted to continue with Sophie's co-star I also heard that Sophie likes to party. Therefore, she's a bad mother. Hold the motherfucking fort, okay? So because a woman bears children, she's no longer allowed to have fun? Please. Most of these husbands will drive any wife to drink. Trust. Next, we never spoke about the age difference. Yeah. You know, age ain't nothing but a number. Except when you marry a 23-year-old and you're 30. That means they were dating when Sophie just broke soil into being an adult. What does that say about Joe? I also heard Sophie had a, had like compromise a lot when it came to raising their children. She wanted to raise them in the UK close to her family and rightfully so. If he's on tour and she's birthed two kids, then being close to a support system matters. But Joe's over here saying we need to be in LA. Listen. Let's not forget that Sophie has a career too. All I know is that I have never trusted a Jonas brother, okay? I don't give a fuck. I may have downloaded one song of Nick's, but that was it. They have this like fraudulent musk attached to them. And y'all know I'm all about the vibe. So Team Sophie, Queen of the North for me. Yes, I did pop into my London accent for that one. Um, So... Obviously, I will continue to let you know what goes on with that because my ears to the floor with that one, but also with the next one, you guys, this has like, this is breaking fucking news. Okay. Now, last week or the week prior, I 
told you that Lindsay and Carl broke up from Summer House. Okay? Nothing has been confirmed, but it is rumored Carl was cheating on Lindsay with someone else and quite possibly had a pregnancy scare. Also, on top of that, the reason why he didn't cancel the hotel and everything else is because of the paid partnership he had with them. You guys, you guys, if that's true, you can take the hoe out of hoism, but you can't take hoism out of a hoe. Once a hoe, always a hoe. You can have hoe-ass tendencies doing hoe activities, but Carl's hoism must have surfaced and he activated that joint if that is true. So place, I'm going to place the sticker of allegedly on here because we don't need anybody serving me any type of papers. Okay. I'm just a girl in Minneapolis, Minnesota. (laughs) Let's move forward. So everybody and their mom, every celebrity that possibly could went to the Beyonce concert that was in LA, including my brother. Um, and Kylie Jenner did that and she was making out with Tim- Timothy Chalamet, wherever the fuck his name is. Who is he? I ne- I've heard of the name before, but I don't know who he is. Somebody tell me because <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> um, in other Kardashian news. Courtney was rushed to the hospital to have fetal surgery to save her and Travis Barker's child. All things are well, and now Courtney has a newfound respect for women who go through traumatic pregnancies. Listen, I'm going to keep it a buck. That comment came off a little tone deaf to me. But I guess for Courtney, she has to go through the same situation to understand what one goes through. I'm happy like she and the baby are fine. Maybe she needs to stop hanging out on Neptune and join us on Earth. Like, I can't. I know a lot of people love Kourtney Kardashian, but you can't fucking tell me that that caption of her holding Travis's hand and telling her about the situation, that that shit did not come off tone deaf. I mean, like, let's be fucking for real. Okay. In housewife news, or shall I say house husband's, Rumor has it Mauricio Umansky will be on the next season of Dancing with the Stars. No wonder he's cut. I thought it was a midlife crisis cut. And it turns out he has a rigorous schedule. Also, who woke up and said, I think we should ask Mauricio if he wants to be on the next season of Dancing with the Stars. Like, these agents are working overtime. But can you blame them? The writer's strike is going on strong. So folks still have to eat and they're doing whatever is possible to get people signed. And if that means dipping their big ass toe and that celebrity um, lake, they're doing it. So, so cheers to them. Um, another gosh, hot off the press news. Two current and 14 former staffers claim Jimmy Fallon has erratic behavior and is deemed like his working environment is toxic. Jimmy Fallon, you guys, it's a little bit sad to hear. I'm not going to lie. It's alarming. Um, but I guess everything's really been alarming this year. Well, let's not forget about Lizzo. Okay. Everybody thought she was nice. Um, 
<laughs> but these people are just like kind of putting on a fallacy. They're putting on a show for us. And we're not realizing that they're real-ass people that can be real-ass bitches. And not in a good way, right? Not in a good way. Um, This one is... I don't know. Are we going to call this one chilling? Or maybe shocking or not if you've been following it maybe you have maybe you haven't maybe you have a zero pulse on it i don't know danny masterson of that 70s show has been sentenced to 30 years to life in prison for raping three victims back in 2001 and 2002 this was the second time this case was tried due to the first time being a mistrial by the jurors who couldn't come up with a unanimous verdict (sighs) I mean, I read a lot of blinds on him, a lot, and they weren't good. They weren't good. So after all these years, even with the statute of limitations, whether there were any, motherfuckers going to jail, and rightfully so. I I read some of the victim statements. (sighs) Chilling. That's all I'm going to say. Chilling. Um, Okay. Let's move on. That was it for Pop Fives. That was a lot, wasn't it? Normally I only have like one or two items for you guys, but that was like six or seven, I think. So let's move on to show vibes. So, <laughs> Love is Blind, Life After the Altar. I watched so you wouldn't have to, okay? I didn't have anything to do on Saturday. I'm going to be honest with you. Last Friday was a lot for me. I took the day off. I went to the state fair. Then I went to a friend's birthday. Then I came home. So Saturday, it was just like, I just need to stay home. I was acting like a straight introvert and, you know, doing all the things, laundry and stuff. And then, of course, while you're folding your laundry, you have to have something to keep you fucking, you know, oof, got to get this shit done. And so I had a friend tap me and say, just so you know, love is blind, life after the altars has been released. And I said, say less. Um, okay. Chelsea is insufferable, you guys. You guys remember Chelsea and Kwame. <sighs> Chelsea's insufferable. Kwame and all his comrades are in the sunken place with her. She has to show the world how much her and Kwame are in sync. And they have a lot of mess and like... She brought up Kwame's childhood trauma and made him share the story to her family. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this girl? Like, it is absolutely insane. The amount of kisses Chelsea had to give Kwame on camera to show us they're so in love with each other was so too much. It's almost like somebody giving like a long detailed heartfelt story about like their marriage and stuff like that and immediately people are like they're about to break up divorce is about to happen you know what I mean like that is what I get a feeling out of Chelsea and Kwame and I don't know she's like next fucking level because Chelsea is one of the most dangerous fucking people she's one of the most dangerous white women out there (laughs) I'm not gonna play like if you guys watched it you guys would be like oof this ain't good um, Jackie, y'all remember Jackie and Marshall? Mm-hmm. Well, Jackie and Josh, uh, Jackie is still childish, but now with Josh instead of Marshall, Josh and her, um, will be broken up with in the end 
I think before the end of 2023, if they haven't already, um, or right before their lease ends, the whole Monica, Jackie, Josh situation was odd and I didn't need it. I forgot that Josh proposed to Monica and I barely remember Monica as is. For the producers to give her her moment was a reach for me and it was unnecessarily, especially when folks like myself barely remember the drama. That's how I felt about her. Marshall. Okay, Marshall with the crystally light brown eyes that everybody just thinks is so amazing. And they felt so bad for Marshall. Marshall needed closure. Why? You and Jackie said what you needed to say and now you still need closure? Like, it's weird. There is something off about Marshall. I can't put my finger on it. Marshall's dating someone new and he's so in love. I don't believe he's in love and I don't think he even believes it. Like I think he wants to be in love desperately and it shows again, like there's something off about Marshall. Now, listen, at one point in time, I was having this conversation with my friend Jesse and she was like, I believe we had a conversation and she was like, he's like, he has some narcissistic tendencies. There's something about him. And now I kind of see it now that I'm outside of it. And then you pop back in, you see things differently. And that is kind of what I see about Marshall. Okay, let's move on to the whole Micah and Paul situation. Again, don't fucking care. Paul's mom looked stupid meeting with Micah, acting like she's on Micah's side when she ran back and told Paul everything. It was weird and unnecessary, in my opinion. Paul's mom had a big personality meeting Micah at the first uh, season, or their season, I should say, but I could have gone without. Micah brought her now sober bestie Shelby onto this ride because so many people talk so much shit about Shelby and like she needed to show everybody she was different and you know in a different light like girl I don't fucking believe you still and like get off my fucking television I don't like you Shelby I never did the way that you acted the first that's how you are like okay somebody handle a 1.75 bottle of vodka and the truth starts setting her free okay I can't um, so Micah moved up to Seattle and Paul moved to, or is moving to San Diego and yeah, I just, I just, I don't even know. They're just a mess and Micah's extra insecure and here's the fucking fucked up thing. Okay. Side note, they are doing like Love Island games and it's going to be on Peacock and everything, whatever. But Shelby's going to be on it. And I swear in this life after altar, she was like, I have a man. Okay, but if you have a man, why are you going on Love Island games? Or, or did you just, you doing it for the money, girl? Because I'm just, I, I can't stand her. She's insufferable. Irina, um, she wanted to keep the half jacket on, half jacket off trend going. So she brought it to the meeting with Shelby and Micah. She's still on her apology tour. And Amber was like, girl, I don't give a fuck. And I was with Amber too. Like Amber was like, girl, I don't care. And Irina, I just want to let you know, 
the jacket's either on or off. I'm going to tell you like I would tell a toddler. You either going to put it on or I'm going to take it off. There's no in between. Okay? Okay. <laughs> just, fuck. Um, the Browns are doing well. Tiffany and Brett, that is. Tiffany moved up to Oregon. Uh, Brett still works for Nike. And Brett's making good money. I don't know how much he's making, but I just know that he's making good money. Um, Bliss and Zach are doing well, but they're borderline annoying as fuck for me. I'm happy for them, but I need them to get the fuck off of my television. I'm over it. Um, I know that's a quick recap. Apparently Chelsea has eased her way into casting for the show. I don't know how the fuck that happened or why someone thought that would be a good idea. I'm still waiting for Nick and Vanessa Lachey's contracts to expire and Lauren and Cameron to be asked to host the show and reunion. I'm literally fighting for that. I'm hearing they don't want to do it, which I understand to a point, but Lauren, Cameron, we fucking need you. We're begging you, okay? Uh, I could get behind them. I, Not this whole Chelsea bullshit, to be honest. Speaking of which, you think you're done with Love is Blind, but the new season of Love is Blind starts on September 22nd. I know that there is a clip out there, a long one, and it more than likely gives a lot of things away. I am not going to watch it. I need to watch it with fresh eyes and a fresh open mind. And so that is what I will be doing. Um, in ultimatum news, you either watched it or you didn't watch it. Don't waste your time if you haven't watched it. It was, I thought it was worth it at first until I got to decisions. And then it was like, what the fuck am I watching? So in ultimatum news, Ryan and Trey are expecting a baby. I, I can't. It's pathetic. Um, I should be over here being like, oh my God, congratulations. No, she didn't want to be with him. She said the sex was trash, you guys, but she managed to get wet enough to conceive a child. Like I can't that, that if y'all want to know what the settling looks like, look at the most recent, uh, <laughs> season of the ultimatum. You will see a fine definition of what settling looks like with all those couples. Um, next up, and that was a long show vibe update type deal, whatever. Um, when I was done with Life After the Altar, I needed to I needed to clear my palate. And with that being said, I watched the Untold Swamp Kings documentary on Netflix about the Florida Gators. Uh, Gator Town, baby. It was four episodes. All I have to say is Tim Tebow is very pure, but it's actually in a kind of... Not a kind of, it was in an awesome way. Um, I watched it. I thought it was good. I still need to go back to the other football documentary. I promised my chiropractor I would. It's still on the list. I will do it. I will do my half, my part. And in upcoming shows besides Love is Blind, there is going to be a supermodel documentary on Apple TV that starts on April 20th. And Southern Charm starts on September 14th on Bravo. So, um, okay. And just to give you guys a little this and that, 
just kind of side note for all of you who are watching Real Housewives OC. I am too. I am choosing not to recap it, but I will say this season has been a solid seven, perhaps eight in my book. A couple of things. Shannon Bedore needs to learn how to live in her truth. If she doesn't want to the cameras to capture her life, then maybe it's time to move on from the housewives, okay? I like Shannon, and I wish she would get her drinking under control so she can see that her ex-boyfriend is a toxic as fuck. I mean, honestly, she also needs to own her own shit, but, they, but then again, she blacks out. <laughs> Doesn't remember who she spills her shit to, okay? Heather is being picked on like she always has been but fancy pants is doing all right you guys when you see your mansion for when you sell your mansion for 55 million then who the fuck cares what any of these bitches think or feel about you okay it's literally a catch-22 for heather so it's better if she like stays quiet and i personally love her professional reads some of them actually are good some of them eh, miss the mark but don't come for Heather unless she <laughs> comes for you, okay? <laughs> Tamara, uh, messy in a way that she doesn't want the cameras to reflect on her marriage that is slowly failing. Maybe she's wanting to have her tea spilled on that next season, but there's something off between her and Eddie. It feels forced. And it's her first season back, so I'm pretty sure she's just trying to like ease her way back in. But she's still being ultra fucking messy. She's being messy with her relationship with Shannon. She's being messy with her relationship with Heather. We all love it. We're happy that Tamara's back. But are we really happy that Tamara's back? Okay. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Emily is the MVP of the season. She's leaving no crumbs behind. She calls people out on their shit. And she's being open about her marriage and family. She's smart beautiful and ain't about the bullshit okay the rest of them gina meh still hate her voice why do people fall into real estate thinking it'll be easy i don't fucking know the new gen she cool she knows she's in love with trash it's only a matter of time they break up and taylor friend of energy all season so those are my thoughts on oc I'm going to take a break because I have taken up your lives for the 26 minutes. So I'm going to take a slight break. I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about New York. Okay. All right. Before I get into the real nitty gritty of the Real Housewives of New York, I have a couple of things that I need to say about people in the ratings, okay? So there's this blog I follow on Facebook. I'm not going to mention the name, but they are so Team Teresa. Anyways, besides posting about Jersey, they post about other housewives. They made a comment one day about how the new New York housewives is boring and the ratings are low and they want the OGs back. When I tell you... I had an intro thesis written but decided not to press send because I realized I'm following a blog that only sees one side. I feel like there may be some confusion inside viewers. You cannot beg and beg and beg to for some things to be different, to get a housewife off whatever location or franchise they're casted on. And then when it happens, whine that it's not like how it was. Change is hard for people in general. You either flex and adapt or you drown 
and routine. The OGs of the Real Housewives of New York did what they did, but at the end of the day, they had some issues surrounding legacy and diversity that were very fucking problematic. Yes, we as viewers watch shows to tune out what is going on in the real world, but don't forget that some of these rich, wealthy ladies contribute to that. Also, give things a motherfucking chance. This new reboot is doing well, in my opinion. The people who watch every week love it. The way storylines of each and every housewife and their backgrounds have been unveiled is different than any franchise launched. Some things need to change and I mean, just sometimes some things need to change and new ideas need to be launched for things to be successful, but at least give reboots and new or new cast members some time before saying, I hate them. I hate the new franchise. Bring the old ladies back. Stop. You look desperate and desperation gives you wrinkles. So stop it. And I've been feeling like that for a long time because I've been wanting to fight bitches online. I mean, I shouldn't feel like that. I shouldn't even throw my energy to it. That is why I had to delete that thing because people just don't get it. And some of these people that are doing it, I mean, I'm not trying to commit ageism or anything like that. But yeah, they are of the legacy people. They are of the people of the age of the 60 and 70 years old. Okay, so you want to see people that are like-minded, but they weren't bringing anything anymore. So we had to switch it up. Like, fuck. Another thing that I want to bring up is Erin. You know, Erin's very insecure, and she is. She needs validation, and of course that comes out in this episode. So kind of let's start in. This whole episode was a slow piss but let's start off with Sai and Uba meeting at the clothing boutique to discuss the upcoming trip to Anguilla and for Sai to catch Uba up on all the mess like Sai begins with Jenna and all her collaboration gifts Uba loves gifts but Sai has a different outlook on it you know she thinks Jenna is giving her gifts so that she can market it since she's an influencer. But I think if Jenna needed influencers, she would say it. I really think some of these ladies need to understand the difference in love languages people have and how those love languages don't just apply to romantic relationships. I really feel deeply about that. I think Jenna's love language is gifting people and giving people. And that's in my opinion. Then you have like, Sai then like proceeds to tell Uba about her leaving the party without saying goodbye because she was hungry and which Sai still doesn't care. And I love that about Sai because she's like, I don't give a fuck. I was hungry. If you don't have food at a party, I'm going to leave. And I'm 100% with it. You guys know how I feel about it. That is one number one, number two, top three things that you need if you're inviting somebody or having an event. Food and seating. Fuck. Um... <laughs> Uba still thinks like that was rude and Sai could have ordered a pizza to the venue. And I'm like, it's a catch 22, y'all. 
It's a catch-22 with Aaron. If Sai would have ordered any type of food to Aaron's vow ceremony, then she would have been offended. Like, honestly, Aaron finds anything to be offended by. So that is how I'm feeling. We're eight episodes in, and we've seen a couple of examples of that. So, yeah, I don't know. Sai tells Uba about the comment Bren said to Abe about divorcing and such, and Uba's mouth is, like, dropped open. <laughs> so now, like, Uba's updated on the vents she missed, and I'm glad, she, I'm glad she's back, you guys, because I love Uba's carefree attitude, and I, I feel like she's going to bring a different perspective, but she has been absent for the last two episodes due to COVID, and yeah. But she's back. Um, where do we where do we start at? Oh, we have Jenna and her brother. Okay, so Jenna and her brother are walking the Rockefeller Center, in which, like, Jenna, we find out that Jenna helped reinvigorate the area. Let me tell you something about Jenna Lyons. She be doing things, you guys. She be doing things. She has her hands dipped in. She was with a big manufacturer, J. Crew, for a long time. So she feels free to do all the things that she wants to be doing. She's leaning into all the opportunities that pique her interest, and she seems happy. So while visiting with her brother, she shares she has never been on a girl's trip, that she's self-conscious about wearing a bathing suit in front of the other girls, stating they're beautiful, and due to her genetic disorder that affects her skin and teeth, yet she has to plan a like she has a plan to combat that issue by flying down a couple of days early to get a tan by herself and settle her anxiety a little before meeting with the ladies. I need you guys to remember that. Okay. It's going to be pitiful, Pit pivot, pivotal later. I'm having issues, you guys. Anyways, we move on to Bren meeting with her brother on their annual hike they do around Christmas. She is the youngest out of three. Bren explains to her brother how she wants a family, but with the right person. Her brother states she should find someone normal, but that's not Bren. Many viewers have wondered why we haven't seen where Bren lives or how she's worked, and someone commented that she lives in a controlled building with security, and they wouldn't allow cameras to film. And if you wanted to see what her apartment looks like, she was spotlighted in a Vogue magazine spread or art architectural digest so anyways that is how Bren lives someone also mentioned that her life may be funded by a couple of men so when her brother is saying that she should find somebody normal that is not Bren she needs somebody with money so she wants marriage but she doesn't want the engagement part and listen she's an Aquarius I understand and I would want to be I would want to be engaged, but not with an audience. That's just with me. If you, if I show up and there's a lot of fucking people and some like gets down on one knee, I'm, I don't know how I'm feeling about that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we're doing because we're not doing that. Okay. We need to be alone. Um, anyways, she also mentions that she hears family and when she hears that she that means run so remember Bren had a challenging upbringing so that's just how she is her family wasn't the greatest family in the world her parents I should say because her grandmother actually 
raised her so she feels deeply about that and she's still in therapy about it and I guess her brother said that she's doing better so who knows maybe Bren being on this franchise will help her find the man that she's always wanted and maybe her fourth engagement will actually get her down the aisle. <laughs> I'm not quite sure if it will anyways fast forward two weeks later we're at Jenna's house she has now had the most recent surgery on her teeth, and Aaron comes over with homemade soup. Jenna appreciates the kindness. Loves seeing the mother's side of Aaron. And Aaron and her start discussing the upcoming trip and the wreath event. And Aaron mentions that she thought about not coming to the trip due to being so upset leaving the wreath event. And like Jenna mentioned, she didn't think Aaron was that upset. And Jenna explains how she views Bryn and validates Aaron's feelings. Like, so Aaron goes on and on about how much the wife swap and divorce bothered her. Like, I literally, when I tell you that I think Aaron is insecure, I think she's very insecure. And I don't give a fuck what anybody say. She may be a cancer on the astrological scale, but she takes being sensitive to the next level especially since I'm hearing that Bren and her were or are good friends that Bren comes around her house and jokes with her and Abe all the time so this shouldn't be a surprise to her I like I think this is why Bren said at the wreath event if you're accusing me of sleeping with a married man or any sorts you don't want to go there that is a mini little threat which leads me to believe that Bren knows more than what beats the eye and I hope that's the same because I'm not sure if I got it right but I feel like I did um <laughs> anyways Aaron asked Jenna if she heard what Bren commented on Jenna going down a couple of days early and Brenna mentioned that Jenna's in diva mode. And you know what? So the fuck what? She's Jenna Lyons. When there's a group trip that couples or even singles are a part of, there is always one or two people, couples in the bunch, that either go down earlier to spend time together or stay later. Like, why the fuck does it matter? Let people do them. I told y'all, Bren has this thing about Jenna and I can't figure it out. It screams jealousy. But this isn't about Bren right now, but how Jenna is open with Aaron about her genetic disorder and how that's the main reason why she's going out earlier. And she briefly mentions she doesn't want to fly down coach and how Aaron takes that information and runs back to the ladies to gain some points with them since she was such an asshole at the wreath event. I'm telling you right now, Aaron is the quintessential insecure girl who wants to be liked by everybody and also wants to be a bitch at the same time and have people accept her for both. I see right the fuck through it. By the way, she called Bren a cunt. She, broke, she called Bren a cunt, you guys. Calling somebody a cunt is like the deepest, greatest disrespect. Like if you call somebody a cunt, like you have to meet, you can't go back on calling somebody a cunt. Cunt, 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 cunt. Okay. Um, I just don't think Bren deserves to be called a, see you next Tuesday. So side things to take note on. Pavit, Jessel's husband has a ticket that he needs to use to go to Vietnam. Pavit has to fly all the way to Vietnam to get away from Jessel. Okay. Anyways, he like, he says he needs some time alone. 
this will be an issue later in the season. But what I will say about this is how many moms out there would love to take a solo trip for some time to themselves, for some time for themselves, yet they have to make sure the house is in order and won't fall apart. Okay, let's all pause on that for a moment. I digress. Anyways, all the ladies sans Jenna meet at the airport to start the girls trip. Bryn's main goal is to get back into like Aaron's good side. And once they land, Cy mentions the layout of the villa they have and that two people will have to share a room. Uba agrees to share a room and they give Jenna the smallest room as punishment for coming down earlier, which is nuts to me. And to add fuel to the fire, that shouldn't be a fire. Aaron wants to drop tea, but needs to be careful because she doesn't want Jenna to hear she's talking shit about her. At this point, Aaron knew she was being messy. She's actively being messy to get people to get pissed or remain pissed at Jenna. Jenna Lyons has never been on a girl's trip before, and she expressed that on a on one of the very first episodes of this season when they went to Aaron's Hampton's house. Imagine walking into a girl's trip with ladies that you're already bodily insecure about to know that they're upset you decided to fly the way you wanted to fly and decrease the anxiety that you have to only walk into pettiness. I mean, at this point, it's truly fuck Aaron for starting this shit. Also, Sometimes it takes longer for others to open up and these group of ladies want Jenna to open the floodgates of vulnerability to them and it's not that easy for Sai to be so offended when her and Jenna bonded on the photo shoot of Jenna's new adventure and for Aaron to take what Jenna said and twist her words is nuts to me. Jenna doesn't like conflict but I'm sure she acts accordingly and has power to blacklist folks if she needs to. Don't fuck with Jenna Lyons. She literally doesn't do anything but be nice, ask for guidance when it comes to certain ventures, and stick up for folks who are obviously jealous of her. It's wild to me. It's fucking wild to to me. Also, for Bren to establish what a girl's trip is and for her to run away from anything that feels family is contradictory to what the fuck, but like, oh my God, I lost you guys. Um, (laughs) it's just very contradictory to what she's like trying to do. And I just, (laughs) it blows me away because Jenna actually sticks up for Bren every chance that she can get tells Aaron, but I, this is how I see Bren and everything. And this is how Bren fucking does her. Listen, listen, the key word for this episode was open and honest. Cy used it. Fucking Bren used it. Um, I think Aaron used it. It's annoying. Um, another couple of side comments to mention. Uba made a dig about how there's always food at Sai's house and Aaron laughed at it. I, I think it depends on who makes a comment to Aaron and whether or not she's going to take it to the next level. That's just my opinion. Because if Bren had made the same comment as Uba made, Aaron would have been set the fuck off to be honest. Um, Bren mentioning Jenna's baby voice and how she likes to fight in her own weight class, basically calling Jenna weak. (laughs) Oh, honey. (laughs) I don't know if I have a love-hate for Bren because I naturally do like her. She's an Aquarius. I'm an Aquarius. I like her. Um, 
but I just don't like how she was in this episode. I really don't. Then the conversation about migraines comes up and how Sai likes her husband to bang the migraines out of her and how Jessel likes to claim a migraine to get out of sex. Two sides of every coin, ladies. Which one are you? <laughs> I'm a Sai. <laughs> um, also, Jenna showing her followers what she was gifting her housewife friends is normal. Like, what the fuck? Like, this whole episode is ganging up on Jenna. I think that's why I'm going to name this episode because it's bullshit. And I just feel so passionately about it because she's so, there's no reason for anybody to be mean to Jenna. I just irks the fuck out of me. Also, Aaron making a comment about Jenna's skin. Like if I could have reached through the television screen, walked up to Aaron and just body slammed her for mentioning that I would have. I would have knocked her into next week, to be personally honest. You do not ever make a comment saying that she doesn't really believe somebody has a genetic skin disorder. What? Bitch, I can't. So again, Jenna explains why she wanted to come down a little early. Sai says, Jenna doesn't do anything wrong, nor does she take accountability. No, honey, that's Jessel, not Jenna. They might both start with a J, but one is J-E-N and the other one is J-E-S. Don't ever forget that, okay? I can't. And then for Bren to say Jenna's explanation about her skin is a cop-out. What? She's been open and honest about her skin disorder and you tell her it's a cop-out and expect her to be vulnerable with you? Got it. Like this whole episode, I was like, none of this makes any fucking sense. And I'm hot just watching it happen before our eyes because the one person who started the shit is named Aaron. So let me tell you guys something. Jenna might not like confrontation, but when she gets serious, she gets serious. Jenna isn't living for anybody but herself. She's not dumb. I think these ladies forget that they might be able to say whatever they want to, but she acts accordingly and knows who she is and has gone through a lot. I wouldn't want to be on Jenna's bad side, okay? So I just want to know, when has Brent ever reached out to Jenna and been vulnerable with her, except she was vulnerable at that table, at the Hamptons house, telling everybody about her upbringing. But when has Bren physically reached out to Jenna to have a fucking conversation with her ever to make that con connection? Let's think about that. And like, why is Aaron an opportunistic bitch? How about that? <laughs> uh, that was a lot. All right, I'm going to take a break. Because it's going to get hot and, and, and steamy on the next episodes. We saw the mid-season trailer of New York. So more to come on that one. But as for now, that was the episode. And I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back. And we're going we're gonna to go out to Salt Lake City, you guys. Stay tuned. All right, y'all, Salt Lake City. New season started Tuesday night, and I pulled the fuck up after consulting with my fellow Housewives collaborator, Tanya. The show starts off with Heather receiving a disturbing call. I don't know if it has anything to do with Jen Shaw or what's to come this season, but we will see. And so we started the episode with that phone call, and then we move forward to Lisa at 
Sundance. Lisa still thinks highly of herself, you guys. Lisa and John get into the car and they start talking about their kids and how present she wants to be for her kids. Remember, last season, Lisa was discussing college with her oldest child, Jack, and Jack wasn't having it. Jack has signed himself up to go on a mission. Basically, Jack is tired of his mom's shit and wants to get away from his family. That is how I read it. Apparently, Jack kept Jack kept saying he's not like his parents, which I read as I don't give a fuck about the materialistic shit that you um that his mom does or the money, but I don't know. So, with Jack basically saying that to his mother, she starts questioning whether or not she's a bad mom or you know, she's disconnected to not know about this in her son. Let me tell you guys something. The answer, the answer, Lisa, is that you're too disconnected from your son. It doesn't mean you're a bad mom, but it does mean that your son knows you well enough not to tell you to your face how he really feels about you because A, you would take it wrong. B, you would need to call your husband, John, to validate what Jack said was wrong and see hound Jack over and over and over again for him to tell you what he means by how he feels. And he knows you're not ready for that truth. That's how I read it. So like, good for Jack. Jack said, fuck you guys. I'm leaving. So we move over to Heather who is shoveling snow in six-inch block heels. You guys, it's one of the fucking stupidest scenes we have ever opened to for any franchise. Like, it's it's, it's stupid and it's fucking dangerous. And I just can't. All this for a camera feel, you know? Heather has moved from a normal suburban home to a $2 million mansion thanks to her New York best-selling book, Bad Mormon, uh, her business, and probably thanks to a couple of Bravo checks, to say the least. Uh, I will say, I think someone pulled Heather to the side, or Girls Trip humbled her a bit, that she seems like first season Heather again, instead of second and third season Heather. Side note, some of the houses in Salt Lake, I don't know how to say Salt Lake. Is it Salt Lake? Yeah, okay. Um, they just look old as fuck. Dated is a nicer way to say it, but like, I'm going to keep it a buck. They look old as fuck. Like you go to houses. If you want to compare houses in Salt Lake City to any of the other franchises, you're going to be like, wow, those are some cute laminated tops. How much you spent $2 million on this house and you got laminated countertops. <laughs> okay. Somebody needs to call HDTV and get them over to Heather's house because I, (laughs) at least Meredith is over here renting out places because, you know, (laughs) is she really even a real resident of Utah? I can't, I can't, I can't, I won't, I can't. Um, anyways, Heather wants to throw a party to pull all the bullshit, like put it all behind her and start a new path, especially with Whitney. Remember, Heather and Whitney haven't been on the same page as friends for a while. And 
Heather's talking about this to Meredith, about her plans. And then Meredith mentions how she doesn't like Whitney due to a comment Whitney made about Meredith in a bathtub. Now, we all know Meredith loves hanging out in a bathtub, so Whitney made a comment about it. Um, it's fucking ridiculous, you guys. And it's too petty for me to even recap, to be honest. I'm happy she leveled her dosage, Meredith that is, of whatever drug she normally takes because she seems to have a good outlook besides concentrating on a fucking bathtub comment. I can't. So we move on to Meredith now being at her boutique and this is where Mary Cosby is reintroduced to us because Mary Cosby's back, you guys. After a brief departure one season, Mary is back because Jenna's gone and they needed to revive this franchise in the best way possible. And also, I think a lot of people complain that Mary wasn't on the show, that why did she get booted? And I don't know. I feel indifferent about everything. Am I happy that Mary's back? We will see. I do like her subtle read, so we'll see about that. She got a new wig. She's still weird as fuck. And I'm just looking forward to her reading all the ladies to filth in the most merry fashion she does. Uh, we catch up with Mary. Her son has a girlfriend, but apparently it's his wife. And even though they live in the same house, she has yet to ask her son if he has a wife. You think Lisa is disconnected to her child or children. Welcome, Mary Crosby, or Cosby, I should say. Crosby, Cosby, I'm probably going to fuck that up a lot. My apologies in advance. Um, also, Robert Sr. has been in Vegas for six months, and Mary loves the distance because she barely likes her husband, you guys. She's never liked her husband. <laughs> a couple of key things that Mary, that Mary has done right. She did ask Meredith how she felt about Jen, and in true Meredith form, she was cold as fuck, cut off all communication, and is moving on with her life. This is the same Meredith that was pissed at Jen and then last minute supported and backed her. And now she's fully cut Jen the fuck off. Those dosages have leveled out y'all. I'm telling you, I'm dying on this hill. <laughs> Can't tell me shit. Um, <laughs> so we then move on to Angie K and her fucked up sunglasses. I hate those fucking sunglasses. I think every text I sent Tanya towards this episode and about Angie K was that I hate those fucking sunglasses. I couldn't move past them. I still can. I mean, how can I give you all a visual? Picture oversized sunglasses, neon pink and ugly as fuck. They're just they're just ugly. They take up half her face. <sighs> okay, anyways. Angie K meets with the newest housewife, Monica and Lisa. When I tell you, Tanya and I watched this episode at the same time, but I was about five to seven minutes behind, and I'm so happy she didn't spoil a motherfucking thing to me because, bitch, the way my mouth dropped finding out the newest housewife was Jen Shaw's former assistant who snitched on Jen to the feds when Jen tried to get her on the pyramid scheme she was running. So Monica became weirded out so she called her secret service friend who told her to get the fuck away from jen and two months later jen shaw was arrested and monica became a witness with the federal government with jen's trial you guys that was a lot 
So you're trying to tell me that Bravo was like, oh, shit, Jen's off. So let's get her assistant as a full-blown housewife to tell her part of the story. <laughs> She's the woman that snitched. It wasn't Meredith. It's insane. My mouth was fucking on the floor. It didn't. It was on the floor for minutes, not hours, but a good solid 10 minutes because I was like, did she just say what the fuck I think she said? So listen, it was the best kept secret Bravo did in the detriment of their SLC ratings um, and for viewers. It was crazy. Okay. But we tap into Lisa and her confessionals and she mentioned she's met Monica before, but she says Monica looks completely different and references a witness protection program. So after Lisa gives this description and the producers find visuals to what Lisa is talking about, Monica read Lisa to filth on IG like today, <laughs> stating they have met before. And in this photo, Monica's hair is black and in the photo like it is currently. So it's like the read was needed and I was here for it, for it completely. Now let's get the background story on Monica. Okay. Not only was she Jen's interim assistant, she's currently single going through a divorce. Her soon-to-be ex-husband looks like OC Jen's boyfriend, Ryan, in my opinion. And I don't remember his name. I think his name is Mike. So they got married, then got divorced, only to get married again. And now they're getting divorced again. She has four kids of the ages five, six, 12 and 17. So I will say this. I'm liking Monica. Her energy is giving real and down to earth. The way she described how she would talk to Lisa constantly when Jen would get sick of her was amazing besides because she was pointing out all the things people are afraid to say about Lisa because so many of the viewers kiss Lisa's fucking ass. I don't understand it. I'll never get it. Lisa's very self-absorbed. And I think Monica is going to spice this cast up and I'm fucking here for it. <laughs> we need it. Not in a Jen Shaw way, but maybe bring it like raw on earth right now. I feel like we're not circling fucking Saturn with Jen Shaw. Okay. And you can tell Monica's reading the ladies as she meets them. And I honestly love that for us. So now we're at this main event for Heather. I feel like the event space Heather selected is the same event space she used for her book launched, um, launching or whatever the fuck you call it, uh, the launching of her book. There you go. Also, the one thing that, and I don't know why it bothers me so much about these ladies, is that they drip in designer, but like it's so loud. Like it's like Louis Vuitton this, whatever. Like it's all over them. And I, I feel like Jenna Lyons would be disgusted with how they dress. <laughs> I think she would look down at them and be like, yeah, this ain't it, girls. This is, <laughs> it's, it's just not it, you know? Um. Anyways, Monica meets Heather and in her confessional, she admits that Jen never said anything nice about Heather or any of the ladies. So she's going to keep an open mind. And moving on to the fact that Lisa read off the last text of Mary Cosby sent her, and it was not nice, you guys. It made me laugh, but Mary is happy to see Lisa because she likes Lisa's jacket. It's, it's weird. 
it's so fucking weird. But I think Salt Lake is weird in general. (laughs) I don't know. Heather makes this speech about making a fresh start with the ladies. You know, how they all went through the Jen Shaw spell, basically. And I love the fact that Mary pulled Heather and asked her about Jen. Like, that was the main thing. Like, Jen was the elephant in the room. That was Mary's words. And she wants to know how, like, they're doing. Lost you guys again. Um, I don't know. Listening to Heather talk about Jen is crazy because it's a complete 180. And Mary is asking all the right questions and making statements that were true. And I'm happy she did it. I think it benefited us for Mary to be gone for a year, for her to come back and ask the questions that she needs to know um, in order to act accordingly around the ladies, but also for us as viewers to understand it from a different perspective. It's really weird, but I am, I'm honed in on it. Okay. Honed in on it. Meanwhile, Meredith pulls Lisa aside to discuss their friendship. You know, those hot mic moments that we can never forget. And how she wants to have a one-on-one instead of in front of the group to move forward. Let's see how that goes and for how long. So, I don't know. I just don't think the Meredith-Lisa thing will ever be rock solid ever again. Ever. So then Monica asked the group who has read Heather's Bad Mormon book and nobody, not one person in the fucking group has read Heather's book. So you have Angie K with her ugly fucking sunglasses. She says that she wants a signed copy of Heather's book from Lisa. I'm going to have to agree with Tanya on this one. I don't like her. I don't like Angie K. She's giving try too hard energy for me. And it's just dripping in desperation. You know, I just know how I feel about people who act desperate. I can't stand it. <laughs> I don't know. We tap back into the whole Meredith yelling at Whitney for making comments. First about Special K, the drug, not the cereal. And now the bathtub comment. I'm not even going to to lean into this again it's fucking dumb and honestly Whitney was talking about something that is a debate with the norm which is do you take a bath and then a shower or do you take a bath and get out in her case she doesn't like bathing with people just alone and that's common too so like I get it and Meredith needs someone to target the season and if it ain't gonna be Lisa it's gonna be Whitney I'm so up and down with Meredith Sometimes I side with what she says, and sometimes I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, and how many pills did you take to sedate yourself? It's fucking insane. So this episode ends with a snowball fight that, of course, Mary Cosby doesn't participate in, but Whitney was aiming well (laughs) at Meredith and at Lisa, and I love that for her. She was healing. Not healing, you guys, healing. And I honestly think that it was okay for Mary not to participate. I think it was good for the other girls to get that aggression out. So, anyways, giddy up, y'all. We're in Salt Lake City. And that is it. (laughs) Vibe Tribe, what a long fucking episode. 
I mean, it's probably close to an hour, but it's longer than what I've been doing lately. So it's, it's a lot. But thanks for tapping in. I hope you got your steps in, laundry folded, got to your destination. Regardless, your listenership is greatly appreciated. When you have a moment, I'm not begging, but please leave me a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. I would really appreciate it. Until next time, Vibe Tribe, stay classy and cheers.